Hello and welcome to the Van Foodster Podcast. I am your host, Richard Wallach, covering the food scene in and around the Vancouver area, across Canada and beyond. This is episode 121 of the Van Foodster podcast. In this week's episode, I do a feature on R&D Kitchen by White Spot as Amazing Brentwood. I feature Cafe 41 in the Oak Ridge neighborhood. I talk about the Jewish holiday of Passover and some prepared food and catering options at Chef Menachem Catering, Whole Foods, and more. I feature the recently opened Taco Sura food truck. I feature commissary-based La Bakeria and their conchas. I talk about the Antiche Vancouver Pastry Lab in Gastown. I feature Hungry Guy's Kitchen in downtown Vancouver. I feature Crab Hot Lao and some new dishes. I feature newly opened Lumiere Cafe in Fairview. And lastly, I feature my interview with Warren Erhart and Chef James Kennedy of White Spot Restaurants. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Van Foodster, as well as to visit VancouverFoodster.com for everything food in Vancouver and beyond. And we will get on with this week's episode R&D Kitchen by White Spot uh, was fairly new. It's it created a little bit over a year ago, year and a half ago, by White Spot Restaurants as an idea to test out um, their many new dishes that they want to put on uh, their menus of White Spot across the country. And it was supposed to be a, like a one-off restaurant, and that was kind of the idea opening into the amazing Brentwood. So it kind of gave them a central, new, special spot in Vancouver in a new vibrant um, complex. Uh, which is featuring many, many different restaurant concepts and uh, lots of different uh, things for people to do while they're at Amazing Brentwood. So that was the idea when it started. Um, it has since evolved, and um, I had a chance to finally eat there, uh, finally visit. I hadn't been there before, and uh, to try some of their dishes. And I kind of wanted to try some dishes that, of course, were not on the White Spot menu yet or or maybe they've already made a feature on the White Spot menu. I'm not sure, but I wanted to try something different and see what they were all about. And I, I got a great taste of that. First of all, the staff were wonderful. Um, everybody was wonderful to talk to, and I, I did talk to quite a few. Um, I, I started off with a zero-proof cocktail. This is something I've never really remembered uh, White Spot having zero-proof cocktails outside of milkshakes. Uh, but they do. And this location actually features a bar and they've got, of course, alcoholic alcohol drinks, but they also are making now a bunch of zero proof drinks. So I uh, had one called the Liars White Cane Style Rum Soda with uh, freshly squeezed lime juice and mint. So you can go that way. So if you don't want to have the actual liquor that night, you can go with something that's kind of resembles it, but it, it is not. Um, I also had their tasty coconut prawns with a sweet, spicy pineapple sambal. It was an appetizer, followed by their R&D House Wagyu Burger. Now, this was quite something. This is not something I ever remember White Spot doing. A Wagyu beef burger, of course. This is like elevated with aged white cheddar, hickory smoked bacon, mustard, onion, confit on a brioche bun. With I had a White Spot salad on the side and this huge onion ring. So apparently this um, this been so popular, the Wagyu Burger, on their test menu that they actually had rolled it out across uh, White Spot across, can across Canada over the past month as a feature. And it's been offered in many of their 
different locations. I will actually all of their locations as a feature um, for the time being. I, I did uh, I did allude to this in a in a uh, interview I did with uh, Warren Earhart, president of, of White Squad, and Chef James Kennedy. Coming up later in the episode, we did talk about this, so uh, hang on tight for that and listen to the episode and get to hear about the more about the Wagyu burger. I finished off with a caramelized pineapple gelato coupe. This was kind of like a Sunday, but I want to call it a Sunday light or a light Sunday. This is not like what they used to do when you'd have whipped cream and, and all sorts of sauces and all that. But uh, this was kind of like a light version of a Sunday. It was made of strawberry and vanilla gelato, roasted pineapple and mint, cashew and ra- raspberry coulis. So uh, a great take, a great taste at R&D Kitchen. Um, there is more to come about R&D Kitchen, and as you'll hear in the, in, uh, the interview with uh, Warren and James coming up, uh, we did talk about R&D Kitchen, and you can hear about what's coming down the pipeline. So Cafe 41 is a neighborhood cafe in, located in the Oak Ridge neighborhood at the corner of Oak and 41st. Uh, it's been there for about, I don't know, five, six, seven years, something like that. It's gone through a few ownership changes, and the latest one has, got it, has really put an uptick into this restaurant. Uh, featuring coffees by Milano Coffee, uh, coffee roasters locally. Uh, they are featuring, um, it, it's a kosher dairy restaurant. So they're making in-house, they're making their own uh, hummus, falafel, shakshuka, sandwiches, and more. They've got uh, savory and sweet baked goods daily. And uh, they're open for like lunch and dinner Sunday through, I think Sunday through Thursday, Sunday through Friday, that kind of thing. So uh, it's a great spot to just, if you're in the neighborhood, uh, head on over some for some coffee for a coffee and and perhaps uh, lunch. So I was by for lunch recently and I had a shakshuka skillet with cheese as I do not like eggs and everybody knows that. Um, that is normally a, a a dish made with eggs, but they actually do offer that if you don't like eggs, you can have it with cheese or you can have it with eggplants. I went with cheese, so that was very tasty. I had an Israeli salad, very fresh, uh, pita and some of their house made hummus. So. Uh, They've got a lot going on there on the menu. You can just head on in right at the corner, 57550 Oak Street, right at the corner uh, is Cafe 41. Uh, the Jewish holiday of Passover is coming up. It is coming up April 5th to 13th. So it is a uh, long holiday for the, in the Jewish religion. Um, and there are all sorts of foods that we eat uh, during that uh, holiday period. And... Um, it is consisted of the first couple nights is called seders. There's two seders or Friday on the fifth and the sixth this year. And they're like rather large dinners, usually with uh, multiple dishes, usually with your family and or invited guests or extended family, that kind of thing. And they can be quite large. And I've attended many large ones over the years. And then they can be quite small. Um, pandemic, of course, had it quite small. And that is quite different this year. You're going to see uh, many of the families will be having their own or will be inviting guests over uh, so some people like to to cook it all themselves, which is an elaborate uh, feat. And uh, some people like to cut some corners, as you can say, and uh, order in. So uh, this year you can order in from Chef Menachem Catering. It's kosher catering service, and uh, they have a lot going on. So from what I can see around town, they have the most. Uh, you can look at the chefmenachem.com website. Um, you don't have to be Jewish to order from them. You can, uh, if you want to have some of these dishes, feel free to order, and you can uh, you can go by and pick it up and enjoy some of the dishes as well. And it doesn't have to be for Passover nights; it can be other times as well. So, but for Passover, uh, they do have a takeout menu. It is um, ha- orders have to be placed by Thursday, March thirtieth, which is coming up in a few days. 
uh, pickups will happen uh, on April 4th and April 5th. And uh, they're also doing the offering delivery to, by Uber Eats to Vancouver, uh, Richmond, uh, Langley, Missouri, all the way up to Whistler. So if you're in, in the entire region, you can uh, order food from them and have it delivered. So one thing they offer, and as this is, as I was just mentioning, most of these um, meals are for large people, but uh, large groups of people. So they have set dinner for 10. So I think 10, 10 must be the magic number. Um, it's a guest complete Seder. Um, so if you're doing a complete Seder, then you're ordering all sorts of different dishes and you're, if this is for, for 10 people. So it runs up to $800 for 10 people. It's $80 per person. And there's all sorts of different dishes. And I, rather than going through all of them, you can actually see them on their website. But it's like filter fish tray sounds really good. Chicken matzo ball soup, roasted chicken, roasted brisket, that kind of thing. So Quite a lot there, and you can see that on, the, on their website. They also are offering many other dishes on their own. So you can get like roasted salmon. You can get all sorts of uh, chicken matzo ball soup. If you want that on its own, just like this, random, not random, but, you know, select dishes that you might uh, want to uh, cook your cook some dishes yourself and then kind of add in. Uh, you can do that from Chef Menachem. So check out chefmenachem.com. And uh, you can uh, see what they have on offer. Um, Whole Foods stores also offers some dishes. They do this every year. Um, in the U.S., it's a bit more complete. I think uh, if you look at many of the uh, U.S. stores, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, for example, they offer full Passover menus. And you can uh, you can kind of order it all in. But unfortunately, in Canada, we don't quite have the population here for that. So they don't do it that way. But Whole Foods Canby Street and Whole Foods West Vancouver are both are two stores that do feature some dishes. Now, the problem is when you look online, you can't actually find them. So you, you need to basically talk to the, uh, the deli, I think it's the prepared food counter. You can call them at the various stores and ask them what they are planning on um, making uh, for the holiday. So it won't be kosher because it's not a kosher store, but they do have some dishes. That I've seen Hiroset, I've seen... Um, I've seen roast beef. I've seen all sorts of different dishes over the years. So best just to give them a call, find out what they are planning to offer for Passover, and then you can head on in and buy, buy a few, whatever you need to get. And then there are stores that uh, supply uh, sell traditional packaged products for Passover. These are brought in from New York. They're brought in from Israel. And they're usually in advance of the holiday. They've actually been available for the past couple of weeks now. But some of the stores that have extensive collections are Superstore on Marine Drive near Camby, no Frills on Broadway near Camby, Kosher Warehouse, Amnitsky's on Oak Street, Sapper Kosher on Oak Street. And there are some other stores around as well. Some Safeways are carrying uh, several products. So Safeway King Edward Mall, uh, Safeway, Oak, uh, Safeway at Arbutus, um, some of the other Safeways as well. And then uh, you'll find some other random stores. You may find might find something at Save on Foods. I haven't actually checked that store, but uh, there are different, different stores that have matzah and various other products for Passover. And of course, you do not have to be Jewish to buy these pocket, these items. You can buy them and enjoy them as well. So there's a new food truck in town. It's called Tacosaurus. What a fun idea by this couple, by uh, Alejandro and Gina. They just set up their new food truck and I had a chance to uh, get a taste of it and explore the different menu items. They are located in Burnaby. So currently their, uh, their mobile license is a Burnaby license. So they are operating out of Seamworks Brewery in um, Burnaby, of course, uh, Studio Brewing. And then there'll be some other um, breweries and other areas they're going to travel to. So, But for right now, best to look at their Instagram, look at tacosaurus.vancouver. 
and you can find out where they are kind of daily, that kind of idea. And then head on out there. So it's a Mexican food truck. You can also order online, uh, food online, by Uber Eats and have it delivered to your home. So I'll tell you what I tried. And I, I kind of tried most of their dishes. But the Casa Birria was very good with the birria beef uh, with cheese, and a 10-inch flour tortilla fried up. And it had the birria consomme, beef consomme sauce on the side for dipping. That was delicious. Uh, as was the birria taco. This was also very good. Slow braised beef with cheese, onions, cilantro, it was quite similar to the, the other one, of course, but it was a taco as opposed to a quesadilla. That was very good. I tried the, the dino bowl. This is a fun idea. You can get it with uh, carnitas or the beef burrito. I went with the carnitas on this one. It's served on potato tater tots um, with a kind of a coleslaw type of salad. And then uh, churros. So, of course, you can't go wrong in a Mex with a Mexican uh, food or Mexican restaurant. The churros, so you get three homemade churros with a caramel sauce. Delicious. So head on out. Look for Tacosoras. You'll find them around the city and have some fun and uh, eat some delicious uh, food. La Bakeria is another New Mexican spot. So this is actually not exactly new. So they've been around about a year now. They're operating out of a commissary in Vancouver. They're making something called conchas. And if you do not know what conchas are, they're kind of like a Mexican bread. It's a small like bread, similar to the pineapple bun. You'd find an Asian pineapple bun, no actual pineapple in it. And the conchas are kind of the same idea. They've got these different um, type of breads, I guess, not too sweet. And they've got like a crusty topping on them. Um, so La Bakeria is making a whole bunch of them. And they uh, start out during, I guess, the latter part of the pandemic about a year ago. And um, they are I had a chance to try several of them recently. So I had the vanilla one, and you just you get a taste of vanilla. Then I also tried their uh, some of their filled ones. The Oreo is my favorite, and I'm actually not an Oreo fan. However, this was really good. They had these stuffed, the conscious stuff with Oreo on the inside and Oreo on top. It was very good. Um, also had the the other one my favorite was the coffee. So that was a plain concha, but it was a coffee on top. And then they had a cinnamon roll one and then a marble, kind of a chocolate vanilla. But they have all sorts of them. You can get them directly if you um, call up and place an order. You place an order online, La Bakeria website, find that. And um, place an order online. You can down pick them up in the commissary. Or you can find them um, singles if you're looking for um, around various restaurants around the city, including the tamale shop on uh, Main Street near Broadway. They're selling them. now. The, the owner of the bakery is currently on vacation in Mexico. So you got to wait at least two more weeks. I think she's back mid-April. And if you want these, you'll be able to find them around the city or, or get them from her. So Antis Vancouver Pastry Lab. It opened up in the late, late fall up in Gastown. Now, it's not a retail bakery where you can go in and buy stuff. You have to order online. And it's basically for pickup. So if you're online in Vancouver, you're for picking up. Or you're on, you're ordering online and having it shipped to you. Now, not every product is available for shipping. They are and known for their artisanal uh, panettone, uh, making it at Christmas and making it right now for Easter. And and for that, you can order anywhere. You can be anywhere across the country, and they'll ship it to you. Uh, but there are other products they are currently making, which include chocolate Easter eggs, and they're large ones. They're huge. They're hollow chocolate Easter eggs, and they are decorated and they're beautiful but they cannot be shipped because of their ship they will break in transit and you will have chocolate pieces when it arrives so if you are interested in their chocolate easter eggs quickly i think i think today's maybe the last day you can order you can order online and you can pick them up in gastown from their store uh, sorry from their uh, pastry lab 
So uh, Emilio uh, Cernia, he came from from Italy years ago um, in Vancouver. I think he's been here, what, 10 years or, or something like that. He has worked for Small Victory um, Bakery. He's worked for other bakeries around the city and decided to do his own thing during the pandemic and uh, set up Antis Vancouver Bakery. So Antis Vancouver has actually been around for five years because he has been making Panettone and other products for that he was supplying uh, from a commissary to restaurants and such. So now he's doing it in his own shop and uh, he's still supplying them. Like in kitchen table restaurants, you can, you can find his products, but uh, he uh, is making that. And he's also making some other things. So the day I was in, he was making uh, St. Joseph Zapole and it was for a particular uh, Italian holiday that was a couple days later. And uh, so he was offering that and people could buy it and they could pick it up, that kind of thing. So for a very cool spot. Um, just look at Antis Vancouver on Instagram. Pretty much that is the way to do this. And then check out his online offerings. And one thing that to note is he will be soon offering uh, cake making classes to the public. So you, if you want to learn how to make these elaborate cakes, you can sign up for his classes. And he's got a full-on uh, baking kitchen in his space. And then you can go down and spend a night with him, spend a day with him, and learn how to make uh, layer cakes and so much more. Hungry Guys Kitchen is offering has operating two restaurants now on the same street. I thought this was quite interesting. They're on Gravel Street downtown, and I had never been. Surprising, I had not been to Hungry Hungry Guys Kitchen, and they've been there around for a while. They started off their first location at nine eight eight Granville Street, and it was more like a uh, salad bar, burrito bar, that kind of thing. And then the pandemic changed all that because previously it was all their business people coming in at lunchtime and getting that food to go. And that has changed. So as we all know, downtown Vancouver has changed. And um, they opened up another restaurant back in the fall, I believe. It was at uh, 545, I think it was, 500 block of Granville Street. So this is more the now, what's now known as the business district. So that's where the business people are going until 5 p.m. during the day. But in 988 Granville, they did a recent renovation back in January and redid it all. And now it is completely different. Now there is no salad bar, burrito bar. It's a full-on sit-down restaurant with a full-on bar making up all sorts of cocktails. And uh, they're they're open till late at night. I think they're open till midnight or 1 a.m. Um, during the week and weekends, that kind of thing. And it's a different crowd, of course. And they've got all sorts of different tacos and salads and bowls and desserts. So I'll tell you, I, I visited recently. I'll tell you what I tried there. I had a spicy chocolate chicken taco. Now, this is basically a mole chicken taco. For anybody who knows Mexican food, you will know what mole chicken is. And this is what it is. But I think the thing with there is the crowd and people coming in late at night, they didn't really know what that was. So they called it a spicy chocolate chicken taco. I also had the burger taco and the grilled haddock fish taco. I had an avocado taco salad with her spicy chocolate chicken. And then for dessert, some churros. So she was sharing with Nora. And uh, had we had um, churros with chocolate sauce and whipped cream. This is very tasty. I also had an iced tea, but I was there for lunch, not for dinner. So if I was there for dinner, perhaps there might have been a, a cocktail involved. So um, check them out. As I mentioned, they are Hungry Guys Kitchen. Two locations up on Gravel Street. And they're open daily and nightly at the 988 Gravel Street location. And then uh, Crab Hot Low, Hot Low, I just visited them the other day, uh, one of my favorite uh, northern Vietnamese restaurants in the city. Hadn't been there in a while. I wanted to try a few of their new dishes. So they are offering some new dishes now. Added on, they've got the pate bread sticks. So um, this was something I'm, I'm not familiar with. I am actually familiar with the 
you know, like the bon me, that kind of thing. But this is something different. It's coming from a particular area of Vietnam called Haiphong. And this is where they make these um, this snack. It's got so pate. So it's like a bread. I guess it's like a thin bread stick idea, like a bread baguette, I guess. They bake this in-house. And then it's uh, stuffed with a, uh, a pork pate. Um, and then it's served with this chili sauce, which I thought was quite hot. <laughs> um, just so you know, warning: if you like, if you don't like hot chili sauce, be careful. But it was very good, very tasty. Also tried their fried squid cake. This is also a new dish for them uh, from that same uh, region in Vietnam. Um, and then there were a couple of dishes that I tried that I actually had not tried before. They're not new, but they've been on the menu for quite a while now, and I just wanted to try it. So the Vietnamese fish sauce glazed chicken wings, very very tasty. Really enjoyed that. The crab spring rolls, that's one of my favorite dishes there. We love that one. Then I tried the uh, grilled lemongrass chicken rice. It came with a little bit of a chicken soup. Very tasty. Hadn't had that before. And the chicken noodle soup, of course. Wanted to try that because last time I was there, I had the crab soup. So I wanted something different. They are offering some new desserts for summer. They are now available. Panna cotta pudding with boba. This was quite tasty. I really enjoyed that. Icy grass jelly. Not my particular favorite, but um, I think people who like that, I'm sure will enjoy it. But very refreshing, of course. So Crab Hot Lao, they are located on Kingsway right near Victoria Drive. Another new spot has just opened up recently called the Lumiere Cafe. It's at 521 West Broadway. It replaced the Blends that was located there for many years uh, on Broadway near Canopy. This is quite the uh, coffee corridor now. I mean, it has become a coffee hotspot. There, I was trying to count this the other day. I think there are like... 10 coffee shops within a two-block radius there. So you got to know what you're looking for. And I think one thing that sets these guys apart is they're roasting their own coffee in-house. They've got this really cool um, micro-roasting, coffee-roasting machine inside. You can kind of watch it when it's like uh, roasting coffee. You can watch what they're doing. But one thing I like there is that they are, they're offering two different roasts, a light roast and a dark roast. And when you order your any of these coffees, you like they ask you do you want light roast or dark roast so this is a great option because there are people i like dark roast but um there are people who like light and and, and you may and sometimes you may want that so i just had a uh, cappuccino when i was there and i had it with dark roast but very flavorful coffee i really enjoyed it i did not have a chance to try any of the baked goods i don't actually know if they're making them in-house or not no clue but um they are offering all these different drinks the only odd thing was they had no cortado on the menu which i and I was going to order it, and then I thought I might confuse the barista. If they're not trained for it, they may not know how to make it. So I didn't do that. But I wish they would actually add a cortado because that is actually one of the most popular drinks in Vancouver cafes uh, that people like to order. So that, that you can find them again, Lumiere Cafe, and they are open daily on Broadway. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I had a chance to interview Warren Erhart. He's the president and CEO of White Spot Restaurants and Chef James Kennedy, who's the executive chef of White Spot Restaurants, including the R&D Kitchen and Triple O's, which you find across the country. And uh, have a listen to my extensive interview with Warren and Chef James. And we did talk about a lot about R&D Kitchen, and you will hear about what is coming down the pipeline from R&D Kitchen um, as well as Triple O's, um, and then and we talked about Triple O's in Asia and Hong Kong as well. For another day, talking with Warren Erhart, president of White Spot Restaurants, and I, one of my first jobs ever as a teenager was working at White Spot as a busboy at the West Georgia location near Stanley Park, of which it is no longer. Uh, so, as growing up, and you know, I, I what I remember for, for, as a kid growing up was. White Spot Pirate Packs, the Car Hops, 
Uh, you had those. I don't even know if those are still around. 13th and Camby, white spot, Oak Ridge, white spot. You know, it was one of those things that it was just part of our, part of our growing up um, as kids and then and working there and that kind of thing. So since you have uh, been part of White Spot yourself, how has it evolved, like in your view, from when you joined until now? Well, my gosh, it's, uh, you know, it's such an iconic brand, as you as you as you mentioned, and the fact that we're celebrating our 95th anniversary this mm. year. So wow. with 95 years and, and with that, we've had three groups of ownership. Nat Bailey uh, started White Spot in 1928. So from 1928 to about 1968, it was Nat Bailey's uh, White Spot restaurants. And mm. Nat had sold White Spot to General Foods in 1968. General Foods ran the uh, the, the brand for, uh, for 15 years until 1983. And then our current owners, Shadow Holdings, which is the Toygo family, mm. sort of since, since 1983. So ironically, Nat had it for 40 years. The Toygos have had it for 40 years. Mm. And it sandwiched in between that was General Foods for 15 years. Um, and lots of changes. And I've been with White Spot personally for, since 1990. I've been president for what the last 30 years. And um, this constant evolution of the brand. And and as you mentioned, Richard, the uh, you talk about growing up and busing tables at uh, Georgia and Cardero. Um, you know, I think to have a, a legacy brand like White Spot, where it's so important that we keep we keep current and and making sure that we keep reinventing ourselves over the time. So so yeah, we want to keep relevant for the time by making sure you do a lot of research and listen, active listening out there, what's going on in the marketplace. Um, but then you're you're really saddled with um, a responsibility of a brand that people grow up with. So when you want to make changes, um, believe me, my phone rings a lot. There's something off the menu, uh, and I'll give you one example: was removing liver and onions off our menu a, few, a number of years ago. I think I had how many blue-haired ladies in the city of Vancouver calling me and say, "Why would you take liver off the menu?" Mm it's just the evolution of the menu that way as well yeah. so to go through that so i think that with what comes with the brand is a responsibility to people that grew up with our brand uh, a lot of first dates a lot of responsibilities i spoke to a woman yesterday whose mother is uh whose sorry grandmother is turning 100 this year um and uh white spots her go-to restaurant and she has she celebrates uh, family occasions there uh, and um, this is the history that goes along with that. So uh, it's one of those uh, things we sort of call the marketer's dream and the marketer's nightmare. Mm. Marketer's dream because you appeal from pirate packs to seniors, um, but the competition is really great on uh, what's who's best in class by breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night, and and how you do that. So it's mm. it's it's really keeping relevant is the really the most important thing that um, and you have to make sure that you're really careful that as much as chef james kennedy adds to the menu 30 to 40 percent of our guests don't even open the menu they'll have the legendary burger and and mm -hmm. stick with the favorites and so um, it's a fine balance between looking after what we have uh on one hand on the other half is evolving the brand as you go through it and I know that we are going to have a chance, hopefully, to talk about R&D Kitchen, which is a, a chance for us to experiment and do some unique things within White Spot, test it out there first, and push the envelope a bit. And we'll talk a bit about that. But so, 
Yeah. Uh, so that's what I want to talk about next is R&D Kitchen. So I know you opened up about a year ago or so out of the amazing Brentwood. Um, I guess it's, it was a new concept for you. In my mind, I thought that the reason you did that was to test out dishes that you were hoping to put on other other white spot location menus and such. So I finally ate at your restaurant a few nights ago. Okay. It took me a year to finally go, but uh, it was great to do that. It was great to see the concept and meet your staff, which were wonderful. Uh, the food was great and, and try and I, and I kind of purposely tried a few different dishes there to see that they were quite different than what I remember from white spot. So you mentioned legendary burger. So now you've kind of gone to legendary burger 2.0 Wagyu burger. <laughs> so yeah. I want to say like, it was very good. But and I, I just wonder, like, how are you going to how like, do you plan to hope to convert your legendary customers over to the Wagyu? Or is that a different audience for you? Is the Wagyu kind of going for a younger demographic that maybe hasn't been to White Spot before or didn't grow up on the legendary burger? So maybe to yourself or to Chef James, um, where are you going with that? Like, do you is it going to be like an extra? It'll be another burger coming into White Spot. Wagyu, so you've got Wagyu and Legendary. Is it for a different customer? Is it for the same customer? What were you thinking? Well, we were thinking all of the above. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what happens, uh, Richard. We, we we wanted to find, first of all, R&D. The idea was, there, can we have a Petri dish where we can try new items for our brand? And so, and although we got a pretty comprehensive testing process in place in our restaurants today, a number of restaurants we use as sort of test stores, um, we wanted to have a situation where James, and he'll talk about this in a moment, um, could have a sort of a, a bit of a, a clean canvas to sort of create some items that could work for us. In the case of Wagyu, um, it was first off at R&D Kitchen. Let's try it at R&D, see how it works there. And actually, it was so successful there at R&D that we actually ran it as a, as a feature within our, all, of, all of our restaurants system-wide. Uh -huh. And so in, in the case of, of this particular item, we're known for burgers and uh, can we do something different? So having a, a Wagyu burger using Wagyu beef, but also uh, a brioche bun and some things that were not yeah. traditional white spot, but things that James has always wanted to say, well, what, how far can we push this? And we were quite, we were quite pleased in how successful that was uh, to take a look at that. So uh, you'll see from the, the, the menu at, R&D, it's a, about 50% white spot favorites and 50% uh, unique items that James has created. So James, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, sure. Um, you just come a little bit closer to the microphone, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, um, yeah I'm glad you got a chance to try uh, R&D. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a, a labor of love over there, just to, and not just the new food, but new technology, new equipment, um, we're really excited about the potential, for example, of the Subic cookery, which is mm -hmm. nothing new, but in, uh, it, you know, to take that from where it is now, mostly in the hotel and catering uh, world, to bring it into the restaurant world, it's a big step for us. Uh, there's some great, uh, I don't know exactly what you had R&D, but things like the drumsticks are just selling like crazy. Mm. Uh, I don't want to do chicken wings. Everyone does chicken wings. Mm. Nice big fat sous drumsticks on a plate, however, something a little unique, different flavor profiles, uh, and I think a way better value for the guest. So that's something that's uh, similar to Wagyu, where we started with uh, the uh, Wagyu burgers, uh, two different burgers, and that actually had two, we've done it twice now at White Spot in our promotional uh, platforms, and they've done very well. 
never to take away from the legendary because we know that's what brought us here. But so my mom used to say, always uh, dance with the one that brung you. Well, that's what brung us here was, you know, the Wagyu, the uh, legendary burger, BC burger. But the Wagyu does absolutely, it's a little bit demographic, a little different demographic, maybe might skew a little younger. Um, you know, some of the truffle mushroom styles might, might really approach a different demographic also. And it's really successful there. So that's, uh, that's become part of the White Spot family now. Um, Goju Jang, like we've never explored is Goju Jang something that we would have put into White Spot two years ago, three, four, five years ago? Probably not. But we've had great success with the Goju Jang chicken. So you're going to see that at a White Spot near you in April 17th, it rolls out. Wow, okay. Yeah, both a Goju Jang chicken burger, like a properly, you know, hand-dipped, uh, you know, fried chicken burger, plus little uh, lettuce wraps. So we know the profile. Again, never to take away, you know, from that legendary guest. But, you know, times change. People, you know, so we're trying to get a little bit more, you know, keep the menus current, keep the flavor profiles current. And a whole bunch of new stuff coming up that I better not say anything. <laughs> so your, your brioche bun on that burger was very good. And I remember the legendary bun. And I was thinking, like, kind of similar. And then the server's like, no, actually, it's not really because it's a brioche bun. But they you, you've managed to keep the texture. It like, doesn't break. You, like, you mm -hmm. eat a burger and it you it stays intact. Like how, you know, how do you do that? How do you, you must test a million burger buns just trying to figure it out. We did. Uh, we did and we found a bakery that just does an amazing job for us. Uh, the grain is good. It doesn't, you know, so many of the brioche buns after two bites turns into kind of a mush pot. And this doesn't, it still retains the texture. So it took a while to find it. And, and realistically, just bringing Wagyu and a new bun into White Spot yeah, I had to do some dancing because, you know, we're so famous for our burgers. We didn't want to ever make people think that, you know, this is a, a better burger by any means. It's just mm. a different burger. Different burger. And, and uh, you know, make sure we can sell that to my boss over here. Yeah. Uh, and he was uh, he was good with it. And, yeah, the, the shadow folks, so they enjoyed it. So R&D really is, uh, I always like to say that it's not the white spot of the future, but it's a, it's something a little bit different for the future. You know, it's a smaller footprint, it's a little more contemporary design, I would think a little more contemporary menu, and it really does lend itself to, you know, smaller spaces, a little more urban. Um, I, I think it's, it's, we got some, I think we're onto something here. So you mentioned that it was a feature uh, in all your white spots. Will it become a permanent menu item in all your white spots? The Wagyu burger? Yeah, it's. I think we're through with that. It's. It's really a question of uh, when we run features and promotions. Sometimes they earn their way onto the menu, mm. um, and you know, always what happens uh, whenever you run a feature like that, uh, you put a lot of emphasis behind it. It sells because it's unique and exciting. And sometimes when you put it onto the menu, it doesn't have the same kind of push. But uh, I think with Wagyu, uh, it may find its way onto the menu. And it's also now a supply chain issue, making sure that we can find product mm. for the number of restaurants we have. It's one thing when you do a, a limited run, limited time. But if you start rolling it out, making sure that there's uh, the supply chain, especially today, is where it needs to be. But we were pleasantly surprised of the, the take up um, on the Wagyu burger. It's, it sold very well for us. Um, it rivaled our just traditional white spot burger, something unique that way as well. And, and, it, and it sold really well in test uh, mm -hmm. when we ran this last time. So it could find its way onto our menu. I think Warren has a really valid point. Also, this supply chain in this Wagyu is from Grant Lake. They only have a certain amount of cattle. So it's, you know, for us to run it full time, 
So we've got to be really careful. Sometimes we'll run a promotion and we obviously try always to buy locally. And sometimes, you know, the local, some suppliers really struggle to, to keep up with our volume. So we want to make sure we're not hurting anyone out there. Right, of course. Yeah, that their entire business is based on us. It's not a good business model. So we have to kind of be smart about it. So we'll have uh, a Grant Lake. I'm hoping it's got to get expand their cattle. You know, I'm not sure how that works, but we hope so. Uh, so you mentioned Goji Jang. So that makes sense because of our um, Korean population in Vancouver and other cities across Canada. That makes sense now. So I can see how, yeah, for, right, five years ago probably wouldn't have worked. And right now it's pro it's quite popular from what I understand. Yes. So that makes sense. I guess you guys have to really follow the trends closely. Yeah, we do. It's, uh, you know, as you can't see, because we only see my head here, but if you saw the rest of you, you'd know I eat a lot. So <laughs> that's, uh, thank God for that. But yeah, we, you know, obviously this, what's, what's out there, you know, we travel a little bit, um, you know, we'll see what's in the restaurants. Uh, I, I rely on my son and his friends a lot, you know, they're mm -hmm. that 27 year old and, you know, they go out very multicultural base of friends and as he is and it just uh so what's out there what's hot what's not uh and then of course all the my gosh there's so many magazines now so many podcasts so so much information available to us and the guests uh that we just try to make sure it's current but not uh like you're going to see again at white spot a, a yaki udon coming on in april which mm -hmm. again we have done you know a japanese theme style dish probably wouldn't have done it a few years ago but uh, what's better than a you know three in the morning izakaya style meal with a nice big bowl of noodles? Not right. that put in three in the morning, but in test it resonated really well and sold a ton of it. So hmm. uh, it helps keep us keep us fresh, and it, I think it's sort of on trend. So. Yeah, and so Richard, we you know James talks about uh, we get a lot of uh, our influences well by going to, for instance, the CIA in California, the Culinary Institute, and, and it seems like California, the West Coast is a lot of our influence. Uh, and I think that it's interesting in British Columbia, we're probably more north-south than east-west. Huh. Yet we're, we probably follow restaurant uh, trends more in the California market than we would in Toronto as an example. And so, and of course, the Asian influence on the coast here is undeniable. Right. Um, and what, uh, how that influences our, our menus that way as well. Hmm. So R&D Kitchen, Amazing Brentwood. So this was, I thought was an interesting location because of course, Amazing Brentwood have done a beautiful job in the building of this, of this complex. And there's a lot of restaurants out there now. Um, so was your thinking of this new concept to go in there because it's kind of the center of Vancouver rather than going downtown first? Because it used to be that restaurants would open downtown first and then they would open in the suburbs. But you guys didn't do that. So you went right kind of like not really suburb. It's kind of central, very close to Vancouver. But you went there first before going anywhere else. So was that a strategy or how what were you thinking with that one? Well, I think more than anything else, we were we were looking at the need for us to to create a concept or find a space for a new concept to, for a, a, a testing ground. This this opportunity came us uh, uh, to us. Uh, we looked at it. We said, "My gosh, this would be an interesting place for us to do that as well." The the thing that we're going through right now, which is quite interesting, Richard, internally, was do we convert some of our existing restaurants to more of the R and D style, the look feel that you saw the design, the look and feel far more contemporary. James mentioned technology. We've introduced everything from handheld ordering at the table to a lot of pieces of the in the equipment and behind the scenes, a lot of programs that we've added from a technology point of view to, to be more efficient, to take costs out of the business that we can continue to offer great value to our guests. 
Mm. So important to do that. So I know that uh, we talked about other opportunities. You're going to see uh, growth this year. Uh, another white spot that will be into the marketplace in British Columbia this year and about eight more triple O's locations mm. in the next 12 months as well um, as we continue to grow both of our brands. So I'm assuming that you're going to go take R&D Kitchen right to downtown Vancouver next. I mean, that would be my assumption that um, once you've, you've obviously made it, it's proven. I would think it's proven. I think you've got a good thing going there. But I think you you probably need to kind of do that R&D in a little bit of like more micro areas as well. And I think downtown is probably the spot. Am I am I on the right track? You're on the right track. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah, I know. I uh, you're on the right track, uh, Richard. Uh, yeah, that we're 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 thinking about. Uh, although it's a it's a it's a a Brentwood Burnaby thing today. Who's to say there couldn't be one in Vancouver, one in Richmond, one on the North mm. Shore? Uh, and it's a bit more. It's it's kind of ironic even within the name though, because you think of R and D as the research and development. Well, how many research and development restaurants do you have? Uh, we use it. It's used sort of as a namesake today, but uh, no, it's, we're uh, we're really quite excited about it. We're really pleased with the uh, the feedback we received. is very quite positive. Um, um, I think from a, a menu point of view, a design point of view, even our beverage menu and and some of the interesting drinks we put on there for for a white spot. Looking at that opportunity as well. So my next question is Oak Ridge. So you used to have a white spot location at Oak Ridge and then Oak Ridge decided to completely redo itself and you guys shut down and everybody shut down there. So now knowing that Oak Ridge is, is there actually on schedule, their food hall will open in November, 2024. And they've already announced that we are, will have all these restaurants, but they haven't said a word of which restaurants. So will white spot go, return or will R and D kitchen come in? Cause it's a bit more of a younger it's going for a different crowd. So what is your view? I mean, if you can't say anything or, you know, about that yet, but um, would you think you will, will put in a traditional white sport or would you go with the R and D way? Well, it's, that's a really good, really good point because I think there's room in these communities. Um, and I think we, uh, for, for either one of those, either one of the concepts, traditional, which we're, you know, white spots very strong in the suburbs. We, we know that and it works really well, but R&D could be very strong in the suburbs as well. Hmm. So I, I think that we sort of on, it's on a market by market basis. We would be, you know, we are having early conversations with uh, with our folks at Oak Ridge. We, we, uh, we had a really busy restaurant in that, that market. I know. Love, love to get back in there again. So we have had some early conversations with the folks at Oak Ridge. Okay, so that's good to know. And then uh, I want to talk about fundraising. So I know you were just involved with the variety uh, you you guys have been raising a lot of money for Variety for many, many years. And I know that campaign is just finished, but can we talk about that a little bit? So you had, um, I guess how, how it worked is you, for each of the burgers, people bought legendary burgers. You had a, 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 a specific dollar amount of that burger was going to Variety. Was that correct? How was it? How was that program working? Yeah. So Richard, we, 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 throughout the year, we've done various campaigns and programs. Our, our sort of two major uh, charities are Variety, the children's charity, and of course, Zajac Ranch, that's mm -hmm. out of Stave Lake, which is the ranch for special needs kids and kids with challenges and disabilities. And so we're all about children's charities, and that sort of Nat Bailey started that way, and the Toygos uh, to this day uh, have followed along the same way as well. So uh, we like both of these charities because they're province-wide, 
so you have Zajac Ranch, you have a, some kids from the Nanaimo or Campbell River come down to spend a week or two at the ranch, to, whether they're autistic or Downs kids, that type of thing as well. Uh, it's a great cause. Um, when Mel Zajac designed the ranch, the, the first check he got was from Peter Toygoat, uh to, with fundraising to get things started. So uh, we've had a great relationship with, with Mel and there will be a Pirate Pack Day again this year to raise money again for, for Zajac. In the case of Variety, um, Nat Bailey was an existing uh, founding director of Variety, the children's charity in mm -hmm. British Columbia. And we've had uh, individuals, uh, two in our organization today, um, Bill Sangera, who's been with White Spot for for now 48 years. In fact, he might have been the district manager when you were working at Cardero. Wow. Um, so and, he's, and, he's still with, and he's still with the company. Wow. Still with the company. He's coming up to his 49th anniversary shortly. Uh, so Bill's been active with Variety. Uh, Kathy Tossenson, who's been our vice president of marketing, she's on the board of Variety as well. So we've been feeding the volunteers for many years. Uh, and some restaurants have opened Christmas Day with funds going to Variety, the children's mm -hmm. charity. In the case of this one, we thought we'd do something different. We said for the week, for, for a week long, that we would donate $2 from every burger that we sell uh, during the week and uh, to Variety, the, the, the charity. Uh, I think we raised just under $106,000 last uh, week for Variety, uh, the children's charity. So whether it's that or it's a, a, a fire relief program or, or with our Triple O's concept of most recently, for the 25th anniversary of Triple O's, uh, 50 cents uh, a burger for one day, we sold 47,000 burgers and raised wow. for, food, for food banks, British Columbia, we raised another $23,000. And, you know, I'm really proud of um, our organization and, and, and really proud of our, the family of the Toygos who, who went, went to give back. I mean, a lot of people could give back and don't. Uh, I'm really proud that, that the family that owns White Spot does. And, and always looking for ways of, uh, of supporting uh, various organizations. We, you know, when, when COVID first happened, we had our food trucks on the road. We went to every hospital in sort of the lower mainland. We went to dropped off burgers for the nurses and first, first responders. Um, and it's just sort of part of our DNA. We just, uh, well, um, and that's sort of when James talks about buying local, we think that's critical to our values in the organization. Uh, when we have a chance to give back, we do, uh, and I think it's uh, I think it's really an important part of, of sort of what makes, makes White Spot White Spot. Okay, that's okay. That sums it up. That's great. Um, and then I want to talk about White Spot in Asia. So, what people maybe people who have not traveled to Asia don't, are not aware that you had grown White Spot outside of BC. It's gone outside of Canada. You're in Asia, and you've opened multiple locations there. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like for people, when did that start? How does that go? Do you do the same menu items that you you guys are doing here? Are you running them there? How does that work? Sure, actually, it's uh, well. Actually, it was uh, once again years ago. They said we should, you know, go east, young man. We went far east. We said, okay, forget about this. Uh, so actually, it was actually two thousand and three. There was a, a a family that had businesses both in Hong Kong and in Vancouver. The Suen family, uh, just great people. Um, and Cynthia and Sydney Suen um, were, was our first, they're our franchisees for Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And so we opened in 2003, we replicated all of our products here. And, mm -hmm. and so what happens today, Richard, is we, we send um, some products from British Columbia. So like our, our relish, 
our pickles, our beef gravy. So some some products that we are core to what we do here, but we spent a lot of time replicating all of the products that we have on the menu. So the same menu we have in Hong Kong, we have it in Vancouver. Wow. Uh, and we, we send over some core menu items to, to augment and support that. And then for instance, they use uh, 100% Australian beef versus Canadian beef. Mm. Uh, but, and I'll tell you the bakeries in Hong Kong are phenomenal. I mean, one area that the bake shops in Hong Kong, you can't find, and we're proud of the fact that we have our buns that you talked about earlier. There's only seven ingredients in a white spot bun. And, and, mm. and by the way, they're ingredients you can pronounce. Okay, okay. Right. Right. They're, lo they're local. They're, they're things that we're proud of. Um, in Hong Kong, they had some of the best uh, bakeries you can find. So uh, we've got a, a former district manager that was a district manager for White Spot, um, who lives in Guangzhou, China, just ninety miles from the border of Hong Kong. He's there at least once a week, monitoring to make sure quality assurance is in place and helping with standards, and uh, been very very successful. So we've got. Three locations in um, Hong Kong on the island side of Hong Kong, one at uh, Pacific Place, uh, one at uh, in Harbor Center, and one in, in, in Sai Gai Pan, which is also on the island side as well. So three very busy locations. Some of our busiest Triple O's locations are in Hong Kong. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. It's, it's, it's really, really great. It's been a great success story in Hong Kong. So you've got the triple O's over there and the white spot, and it's well, just Hong Kong. No, just, just just triple O's in Hong Kong. Oh, just triple O's in Hong Kong. So is so will white spot itself will that kind of be over there soon, or is that's not the plan? Well, Richard, I think that you know to to replicate the number of, of menu items. That's yeah, a lot. I think, yeah, yeah to, to keep and once again we talked a bit of, just a moment ago about diversity and 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 menu items and keeping to keep the tight menu tight. Uh, to have that high uh, standards that way. Uh, at this point, uh, we just see that triple O's would be the growth vehicle in Hong Kong. So do you think triple O's will go farther? I mean, it could go farther east or it could go farther west. Do you think, is so, that uh, a, a plant international type of expansion? Well, I could tell you that it's interesting with, uh, well, in, in Canada, we opened up uh, our first triple O's in Ontario during COVID, during that time. So we've got four in Ontario today, four in Alberta today, and we've got, well, as I said, of the, uh, we'll have at least another eight more restaurants open this year. Uh, six of those are either in Ontario or, or uh, Alberta, mm -hmm. and a couple more in British Columbia. Uh, the Asian market's really interesting because Hong Kong uh, traditionally has been such a, a stopping off point for Asia. Everybody sort of go to Hong Kong and then to other locations. And so we can sort of see that that is an opportunity for us to grow in the Asian market through Hong Kong. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. Actually, it's ironic because these this woman is uh, you would love her. She's just uh, such a, a passionate, uh, giving back kind of person, um, and uh, she was so determined. She said, "Look, at, I got great locations. I can make this happen." And I only I try to talk with all of it. I met I met with the family, and wait, this is big risk. And no, no, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. And I'll be honest, uh, egg in my face, it, she was right. Uh, it works. Um, but, uh, you know, she's a wonderful family. They really are just caring people. Um, and I said, very successful in Hong Kong and in Vancouver. Okay, that's great to hear. So last, lastly, is there anything you, you would both like to add about anything, any new menu items coming out that people should be watching for? Anything happening with White Spot locally people should watch for? 
Sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Richard, that we're, we're sort of really proud of, um, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but that the work that James and the team have done for our Red Seal training. We've got, mm. our, we've got a culinary center here, which I invite you anytime to come and take mm. a look at what we do yeah. here. But we train level one, two, and three uh, Red Seal, uh, the, the cook's apprentices. And so we've got a uh, program. So maybe, James, you can explain it much better than I can. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's when I first started with White Spot. So I was actually brought on to develop uh, the apprenticeship program here. Uh, sort of morphed into other positions and other jobs, now executive chef. But uh, right now I'm running a, a class in the in our culinary center, a level three group to be ready to get the Red Seal. We're just doing a, a bit of a dry run for the practical testing. So we run all three levels here, exact same accreditation as a VCC or a Malsapina VIU. Uh, so an identical program, identical certification, but we do it in-house. So we can do a day release, more of a European model where one day a week is opposed to block. So it's much more efficient for the, you know, the apprentices have a chance to study, much less stress on the restaurant to lose someone for four weeks at a time. Uh, it's worked really well for us. And we're, the retention is great. They, these are all, they eventually become our kitchen managers. So it, it's kind of, uh, you know, not just a true, not just a solely altruistic uh, process. It's it's really good for us, and it's really good for the restaurants and the apprentices. So, uh, so it's been a good process. I'm excited. Yeah, so it's a it's a great program, and as Jay mentioned, both a, as a, a to to attract and retain great great kitchen staff and great culinary leaders. Um, and James and the team have done a, a terrific job. And we got a great facility here with the workstations. Uh, we got a, we replicated a kitchen line in one of our restaurants here. All new equipment gets tested in this office uh, at our culinary center as well. So we're really quite excited about the investment made into long-term for White Spot as well. Okay. Thank yeah. you both very much, James and Warren. Pleasure. Thank you so much. This will be up on a podcast soon. And you'll, we'll send you a link when it's done. Well, I really appreciate that. I actually I had a chance to sort of go through some of the stuff. And I really, uh, I really, uh, Richard, the, the job that you've done with a lot of the independent restaurants and to support, to support them so much. Uh, although we're, we're a chain, we're not uh, naive to think there's a lot of great independent restaurant people that that uh, really benefited, uh, the chains have benefited from the great quality of of strong independence. And we think that's really important. And what we really see, which is a really unfortunate, is, is uh, the closure of a lot of independent restaurants, how difficult it is for independent restaurateurs to make it today based upon the, you know, the buying power, the marketing dollars, or the wherewithal to do that. So we're, uh, we're deeply obligated, uh, feel obligated to the independent restaurateurs who, who keep on uh, creating new menu items and supporting the industry the way they do. Um, with all the work that you do as well to promote independent restaurants, different tastes, different profiles. Uh, really enjoyed looking at your site, looking at uh, the donut challenge, the croissant challenge, or uh, uh, and and alike. So good work on your part for helping the industry. We really appreciate thank, it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Tune into the next episode next week to hear more interviews with chef and cookbook authors, as well as other features. Please tell your friends about this podcast and have them subscribe to the Van Foodster Podcast and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon Music to hear my weekly show covering the food scene in and outside of Vancouver.